Welcome to the All Swell Podcast, sponsored by the Coastal Society and Coastal News Today on the American Shoreline Podcast Network. I'm Genevieve Gary, a PhD candidate in Integrated Coastal Sciences at ECU. And today, I'm joined by Tom Bigford and Jeff Flood. We start every podcast by mentioning our sponsors, but we've never gone in-depth about the history and advocacy that the Coastal Society brings. Kira and I had previously talked about how when we joined our PhD program, we were introduced to the student chapter. I feel very fortunate that the Society has linked me to many other marine scientists and people working in the coastal field. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Tom and Jeff. Now, as we start our TCS meetings, I want to start by asking, where are your favorite places along the coast? Hey, this is Jeff, and I just have always loved going to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. I've been going since I with my parents since I was six, and then now, um, again, with my folks, friends, offshore fishing, and uh, with my wife, too. So we greatly enjoy that, even though there are wonderful beaches in Virginia where I live. And this is Tom. Uh, I also like the New England coastline, uh, the whole swath of it, like Jeff likes the Outer Banks. But there's one particular beach, a pocket beach in Gloucester, Massachusetts, that's wedged between granite outcroppings and beautiful Gloucester Harbor. Half Moon Beach is just the perfect place to be. Yeah, Tom, I can understand that. I I love many places, but where I started my career was Polly's Island, South Carolina. And I still find myself that as being my favorite uh, coast and like just a little pocket of area to go to because there's no commercial buildings on it. And so I just mentioned kind of where, you know, what place inspired me to start my marine science career. Could y'all tell me um, what is your background and how you got involved in the marine sciences? Sure. This is Jeff again. And um, so I currently work as a coastal planner with the Virginia Coastal Zone Management Program um, in Richmond, Virginia. We're funded by NOAA, um, but I'm a state um, government employee. And how I got there very briefly is just uh, I have a background, a marine biology degree from University of North Carolina, Wilmington, um, uh, studying marine biology, applying that, and then um, sprinkled in a couple of years, about five plus years of environmental consulting experience in uh, Commonwealth of Virginia, and then going back to get my master's in marine policy from the University of Delaware. Uh, and I really just, uh, to get to that point, um, growing up, I just, in Northern Virginia, I participated in, in coastal cleanups, um, marine debris, uh, was in the scouts, and it just was a great um, opportunity for a young age to get involved in the environment around me. Uh, and coupled with uh, vacations to the Outer Banks and fishing and crabbing and doing all sorts of stuff like that, um, I just really enjoyed and embraced the environment. And I was interested in the policy realm, um, and I knew I needed to get some scientific background. So there was a juncture in undergrad where I didn't know if I was going to be uh, poli-sci or biology. And ultimately, uh, it came to a head where I decided to specialize in marine biology. Um, and that was just where my career kind of took off, um, where I really had that applied work in labs, internships. Um, but I always knew I wanted to go to the policy realm and be an influencer in that arena. So through my master's and then through uh, my work, um, pre and, and, and now with CZM, um, I've really been able to get into that policy space. So it's been a great journey. And uh, uh, Tom has been a mentor uh, over the years uh, and more on that later. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, I, I, my love of the ocean goes way back. Uh, I read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne in sixth grade and was hooked. Um, there was great interest in anything having to do with the ocean. 
um, that led to focusing on every every school report, book review, author study, uh, anything I had a chance to do. I always had a marine focus to it. Uh, that continued in college and work, and it was focused more on the science side, uh, first in the oceans. But when I realized that I had an acute sense of motion sickness, there wasn't too much I could do in the way of a career offshore. So my uh, interest came much more towards the coast and the bays. Um, there was no uh, very little calculus uh, in my in my uh, graduate schooling. I didn't have much of an aptitude for that, so I I, I uh, focused more on the biology, and then got a bug about uh, the management side of the oceans and got into marine affairs rather than just marine biology. That shift towards coastal and ocean management led me to the nearly 50-year professional career and a TCS membership now stretching back 47 years. Wow. Yeah. I, I kind of giggled when you said uh, calculus because I feel like that sometimes is really the determining factor for people if they're going to move through in the marine sciences. And I liked that you mentioned, you know, a, a lot of times people come up to me and they think that all I do is go offshore. And then I sometimes explain that the coast is such this dynamic spot and that a lot of marine science is actually focused in that area. Um, you know, and I, I think back to what I would have liked to know and hearing how y'all had your mentorships. Is there something that you wish you would have been told earlier on in your career or had some guidance from other people on about how to navigate working in this space? Well, mine is is very specific and more of a um, product of circumstances. Uh, I graduated in 2010 from UNCW and we were right in the middle midst of a recession. So they were you know, being a sort of an older millennial, I guess, when you look at the, the official age um, spectrum, but just feeling that I'd done everything right, gotten all the internships, uh, had lab jobs, had done well in school, uh, and then realizing that I was competing with PhDs for lab technician jobs um, was a real eye-opener. Um, it was an adjustment period. Uh, I wasn't going to just have a bachelor's and work on Capitol Hill uh, at age 23. So, I really uh, it wished that I had it just had more of um, preparation for that. But again, it was it was circumstances. There was nothing that a mentor or a professor could really do to prepare me. So I guess the lesson learned was just um, to be adaptable, uh, to be flexible, and to whatever position you fall into um, it, on your journey to getting that coastal career job that you, know, that you want. Um, to pick up those skills and to be patient. Um, and really, I've seen dividends, um, you know, come out of previous jobs that weren't necessarily coastal, they were environmental, but uh, not where I am today, but I still draw on those skills. So um, patience, um, but always asking questions and trying to look ahead as best you can. And even when the best laid plans fail, continue to just keep on trucking. Yeah, my, uh, my primary you know, missed opportunity had to do with uh, the not not that what they call the hard sciences, but the soft sciences, which is always a, a a distinction that I never agreed with, because I always had a hard time with management and business, human dimensions types of things, the social sciences. I wish I had earlier exposure to how that applied to the coasts and bays. Um, I I was focused too long on just the biology and missing all the other natural and social sciences that were so important to, to the issues that we work with. I missed the network. I missed the, the, the academic preparation. And uh, I, I missed it, it, just a, a piece of everything I did that I could have done better on if I had some more background. 
Yeah, I definitely think that's an up-and-coming area now in the marine sciences is incorporating some of that human behavior since now we recognize that we play such a huge role in how the environment works. And we've kind of changed, you know, what's gone, what's going on chemically and physically within our own environment. And Tom, you brought up how you've been a member um, of TCS for most of your career. Um, can you tell us more on how TCS started and where it started? Yeah, I think it's a real interesting story. Uh, I was told by uh, Maurice, uh, known as Herb Schwartz, the first president of TCS, that it was in 1975, and he was an official at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, and they were having a series of public meetings on locating nuclear uh, power plants along the coast. And he noticed that there was never anyone in the audience who was talking about the coasts and the bays. They had the the, the physicists and the engineers and the economists and and all those people who would contribute to de- developing the plan and uh, you know for construction. But there was a missing voice for the coast, for the sand, for the marshes, for the critters. Uh, and Maurice uh, seized that opportunity. He collaborated with a few other coastal leaders and organized the Coastal Society back in 1975. And then he served as president the first two years. Uh, that was shortly after the Endangered Species, Fisheries Management, Clean Water, Clean Air, F- Fisheries Management, Marine Mammal, all those different laws were all passed in early 1970. And he saw a group like the Coastal Society as a good voice for all of them. So it was, uh, he had a, a great broad view vision for what we might do. And in the early years, I think TCS really filled a void. Now, how did it expand on f- to connect more people across, you know, not just the East Coast, but the, but the West Coast as well? Throughout the, the, my time with TCS, we've always tried to make it personal, uh, get, get individuals involved in what we do. Um, connect that to the public, to their, to their uh, colleagues, their friends, try to get people individually experience, experiences with the coast. Um, TCS was a hub of information by having conferences every year, and then we switched every other year. Uh, but we offered a lot of programs and activities to suit coastal enthusiasts from, from high school on through college and into their careers. We still pride ourselves on, that, on those contributions, but we do it different ways uh, than conferences and, and publications. And I would just add just briefly my personal take as I kind of understood the question initially. Um, You know, I'm very fortunate to be able to have public outreach as part of my job with Virginia CZM. Um, And then obviously through the connections with the Coastal Society, broadening that network, it's something we'll touch on later today. But um, I just really do my best to involve friends and family um, in any outdoors opportunity. I'm very lucky to have folks that, that share that great love um, for the outdoors. Um, but I will say it's, it's sometimes uh, I am not a marine biologist. You would have to have a PhD to call yourself that, but I am the resident marine biologist in the group. So, you know, what fish is this? And I get pictures and group chats with my buddies and I'm like, oh boy, I'm, I, it's been years since I was actually memorizing fish species and doing a ichthyology uh, uh, taxonomic uh, demonstration. So it's it's fun, um, but you do your best to spread um, your knowledge and love of the outdoors and knowledge of current issues um, to folks that ask. Um, so it's beyond just getting out of your, you know, your comfort zone and your silo, your task at hand. It's to be able to be a generalist at times, um, to be able to um, broaden that outreach and impact. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I feel that when, you know, anybody hears the words, oh, there's a marine scientist in the group, especially, you know, I live up in Virginia Beach and they're like, oh, what's this? Or, oh, do you know this about turtles? And sometimes I'm like, I'm sorry, I really know more about the bi like biology and geochemical processes that are going on on the coast. And I could tell you about the chemicals in the water, though, which that then turns the conversation to sometimes not as fun and really ends up ends up talking about policy a lot, which I'm glad, Tom, you brought up about how, you know, it makes sense that TCS started when all of those laws were just coming into play. I mean, you think about the effect that Clean Water Act and even Clean Air Act had on our coastal areas. And so what do you think is TCS most remarkable contribution? Boy, um, it's it would be very easy to pick the um, career workshops that we've been conducting the last couple of years that we'll touch on later. But uh, I think I have to go back to the early 1990s, I guess it was, 80s, early 80s. Uh, Barbara Feagan was an official with the League of Women Voters and got very involved in TCS uh, as a, a member from Cape Cod. Uh, she led a discussion at the Coastal Society meeting in Baltimore in 1982 about how best to engage the public. We were still looking at the role for TCS and realized there was a role with professionals, but there was also a role with the citizenry. Her idea was to attract citizens to the coast and let the shoreline draw them into action. So she envisioned scores of people attending chowder fests, uh, beach cleanups like Jeff mentioned, uh, and other small gatherings to, to attract people to coastal issues and get them engaged. Uh, within a couple of years, her idea coalesced into Coast Week. So it went from, from individual events to a, a celebration a week long with hundreds of events around the country, all revolving around National Estuary Day in September. That expanded over the next couple of years into Coast Weeks, and then it was a two-week celebration, and it got beyond the United States. Now it's a global celebration that started with the Coastal Society in 1982. Uh, we shared... Re administration early on with the Ocean Conservancy, and now they're they're the lead. Uh, Coastal Society does not get does not get much recognition for this, but uh, it's it's a global event that started with TCS, started with one member with one great idea, uh, so many years ago. And I would just add that it's TCS has been a um, just almost a vehicle for just sustaining my connectivity with colleagues in this field. Um, networking, um, just having that entity where folks can tap into a lot of institutional knowledge. And as, um, you know, as a younger professional and recent grad and even an undergrad, um, even a high school student, we'll touch on that later, um, going to TCS conferences, being a part of um, those events and now being on um, the board of directors, um, it's been an incredible journey. Um, and you feel that the, all the effort, the interest, um, that, that is self-sustaining because of all the wonderful people that are part of it. Uh, it just is kind of validating, um, that you can continue to give back and then continue to build the organization, uh, going forward. Yeah. Wow. I did not have any idea about the coast weeks. So that was so cool to hear about. And I really liked that idea of how, you know, one person with one idea can spark, just this shared love for the coast and advocacy, advocacy, and really um, help people, you know, motivate them to, to go out and do well 
in their communities. Um, one of our favorite things that we've done at our ECU chapter was start a river cleanup with other organizations at ECU. And we were able to pull people together when we were coming out of the pandemic, uh, get together and help clean up our community. So what are some of y'all's favorite memories from being a part of TCS? Well, I got a couple, but and I try to trim it down. But I have to say the most pivotal point, I think, in my career um, it was back as a senior in high school at the St. Pete, uh, Pete Beach, Florida TCS conference, uh, 2006. Um, I it was about to graduate. Um, we had a thing called a senior project. I think it was to keep folks out of trouble after our AP classes and other things ended for graduation. And I, uh, through TCS um, and knowing folks in the organization, had reached out to Tom um, to be a mentor for that project, be sort of a sponsor. And what we did was we put together a career survey for um, coastal careers and it answered, you know, it sought to answer the questions about, do you need a policy or a biology degree, which comes first, uh, masters, um, what are the, the varying um, career fields within just the environmental and coastal and ocean space management, science, um, all sorts of things. So that was tremendously uh, influential in my entire um, career journey. And it was really great to have so many folks um, reply to the survey. I handed it out in person. Um, and it was just a nice little project, but it really set my career course um, for you know, from then until now. So that was really the, the biggest one. But there's a couple other fun ones where um, the Wilmington was the site of the 2010 um, TCS conference. And I was there as an undergrad. Um, and just presenting some of my research um, was just, again, felt very welcomed and respected. And, um, you know, someone treated as a peer, even though I was just an undergrad, but uh, folks would ask me questions and there was follow ups. And to this day, some of those people that I talked about, talked to in the audience um, are, are folks that I connect with now. Um, so that was fantastic. But um, those were two of the, the, the highlights, I think. Um, but just a tremendous early start. And I can't thank Tom enough for uh, having my back and, and helping coach me through the initial stage of my career. Boy, it was my pleasure, Jeff. Still is. Um, when I think back to all the things that I've experienced with TCS, I have to uh, settle on when then-President Margaret Davidson asked me to serve as the first TCS executive director back in 1992. Uh, we had just gone through a period of introspection and decided that TCS had to take the step of, of hiring an executive director uh, or, or identifying someone to serve in, those, in that role to support the, um, the officers and just give the society more of a consistent response to, to requests, to phone calls and things like that. So it was a great time of growth and engagement for me. Uh, personally, I, I was exposed to a lot of administrative issues that I'd never uh, dealt with before, uh, but also it gave me a, an opportunity to help shape the Coastal Society over, for the coming decades. So having that opportunity from Margaret Davidson was just great. Uh, Margaret was a, a longtime mentor and friend of mine who served in much the same capacity as, uh, as I was trying to serve with Jeff. Uh, be a mentor, be a voice, be be someone who had my back, but also was looking forward. That's awesome, you know, car carrying it down the line. So you've brought up Margaret Davidson, and you guys have also mentioned these career workshops. So can you please explain what a MAD workshop is and how it started? Yeah, uh, MAD workshop, I, the, the idea started with... Um, uh, 
an idea from uh, Megan uh, Bailiff, who was a, a president of the Coastal Society about 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And she had the suggestion that uh, it would be great to honor Margaret Davidson. Margaret had died a few years earlier, and it was uh, it was a shock and a, and uh, not on not expect not unexpected, but but certainly a shock. And it was an honor to work with her. And we figured we would honor Margaret's legacy of mentoring students and early professionals by designing workshops to provide those same people with career advice. The workshop approach offered the most attractive format because it, it gave a gave an opportunity for experienced leaders to talk to a, a specific audience. Could be graduate students, could be undergraduates, could be people who are thinking about academic careers or or government careers. Um, but just building on these workshops and responding to M Megan's challenge, the Mad Workshop series was just just a perfect uh, um, you know, sort of legacy for Margaret. Uh, we we started with some exam some practice uh, type out uh, workshops uh, in the uh, I guess about uh, eight years ago, and then in 1998, uh, uh, 2018, excuse me, 2018, we we finally launched the the program, and now we've done about 24 of them, and they've been well, very well received by the attendees and very much appreciated by the speakers. They all are looking forward to giving, you know, to sort of uh, paying it forward with uh, it, sharing their experience with upcoming coastal professionals. And I would just add too that, you know, as I've become involved in working with Tom on the board and with these workshops beginning in 2020, um, you know, we all recall that that was a very um, interesting time with the COVID-19 pandemic and kind of responding to challenges and being um, adapting on the fly was something that we um, were able to do, uh, pivoting to a virtual format, um, and then as we get back into more in-person workshops, um, seeing what worked best, um, lessons learned, and again, to echo Tom, our speakers have been absolutely tremendous, and I think they're just kind of cut from the same cloth of wanting to give back, pay forward, whatever it is, um, and they just really are a wealth of knowledge of all stages of their careers, so it's, it's been a tremendous experience. I'm really lucky to be a part of it and work with Tom. Uh, I think that's such a beautiful way to honor someone's legacy, especially someone um, that is so close. I know we've really, we feel that and are empathetic to that at our chapter with the loss um, of one of our friends and kind of collaborators. And I think that's such a cool way to kind of talk about their passion. And since it's a role um, of mentoring, it can help. It just keeps going on for, for a long time. So I'm so glad to have heard that and that kind of inspires me to want to do something um, in honor of our late classmate. And so y'all have, you know, talked about how this is, you know, a workshop that involves a lot of people. Now, is there any particular one that has been your favorite or really comes to mind when you think about what is the classic example of a MAD workshop? Well, I've been both a beneficiary directly in terms of a participant um, registering for a workshop, trying to shift from the general environmental consulting career that I mentioned earlier to a very specific coastal management position, which I have now, uh, and networking and um, just interview tips and um, usajobs.gov, which I'm obviously not with the federal government, but just very specific and very broad um, networking and, and career development tips have been tremendous. And in person, uh, was fantastic that Tom mentioned uh, in 2018, uh, there was a workshop at the, the Ray Summit, Store America's Estuaries 
in Long Beach. So I attended then, and that was took me a couple months. But from that, that was sort of a springboard um, with some of those contacts I made um, to get to my current position, which I truly love. Um, but also being kind of on the other side of the ledger, um, giving back and being in that position to share those tips um, with others and organize speakers who can speak to those topics. Um, I was tasked with the very first, um, uh, well, the second virtual one, but very much in the early stages of COVID um, to organically without a sponsor, without um, a ton of guidance, but working very closely with Tom, we were able to cobble together a very successful workshop as sort of a standalone and the lessons learned and the speakers we recruited together for that event in September of 2020, um, they're, they're coming back, as I said in the previous uh, answer. They, they really we cultivated a great network, a deep bench of folks who are willing to collaborate. So both both sides of the, the coin um, have had tremendous experience with those workshops. Yeah, for me, it's a difficult choice. I've been involved in a lot of these and uh, each one's a little bit different. So it's, it, we're, we, we're changing the... Uh, the focus over time and they continue to evolve. Uh, the most recent one we had in late 2022 in New Orleans, uh, that one really comes to mind, maybe because it was the most recent, but also because we tried so many different things there. Um, we pushed the envelope quite a bit from the usual workshop. Uh, we still were, we were partnering with Restore America's Estuaries just as we were in 2018, as Jeff mentioned. Uh, but this time, we offered different tracks to provide academic and career information to high school and early college students uh, on one track, and then upperclassmen and graduate students and re early uh, uh, recent graduates, early professionals in another. So two very distinct tracks. We attracted our largest audience ever, uh, approaching 100, uh, received a great response from local high schools, which was really refreshing because we, we've been learning that uh, we have to get these messages about the different coastal careers to a younger audience. People make the, the, the students make up their mind about uh, college majors and coursework very early. So we wanted to drill down to the younger students. Uh, we also incorporated field trips into the workshop format and uh, also strive to expand the diversity. We, you, we have always done really well with diverse speaker uh, backgrounds, but we have, have not been as successful in getting diversity extended into the audience. But we did in New Orleans. And for those three reasons, it was just a really successful venture that shines in, in my mind. Wow, that's awesome. I know at ECU, we've been talking about planning to have one. So I'm excited to kind of start this up and work with the two of y'all to hopefully host one in the North Carolina area, since that seems where a lot of the members of the Coastal Society um, are at. In your opinion, um, what do you think is the most significant uh, benefit for being a member of the Coastal Society? You know, I came into this because I found out I was, you know, it was an organization, you know, through student, being a student at a university. But what, um, what do you think would be beneficial to someone who's maybe just recently outside of university or working in the coastal space and wants to be a part with, be with others that work in the similar space as them? I think the, the best thing someone can do is just volunteer to serve on a committee and get a, get a feel for who the coastal society is and what we try to do. Um, there's, you'll definitely meet great people, people with similar convictions uh, to work, to, to do as to do great things for the coast during their career, personally and, and uh, professionally. Um, 
you get, if you work on a committee, you get involved in strategic decision making about a specific topic, like where is the next MAD workshop, or who do we get as speakers, or how do we finance this program. But you'll be rewarded with the the contributions that you make and the and the committee makes and the society makes. So just get involved, and you'll be hooked. You'll be uh, you'll be a TCS member for life, like me. Yes, and I I share that sentiment with Tom, and it's been something where you know someone can be looking to break into the coastal field as I did. They can be happy with their current job as I am now, but to continually, um, you know, when folks use the word continuing education credits for professional certifications, you know, TCS doesn't offer that in a sense, but it's unofficially continuing to connect and reflect on your career, whether you're giving back or you're trying to learn more um, or just informally mentor or be mentored by someone. So it's this um, arena where you can continually um, think about your career and where you want to go with that. And I have learned a ton from the speakers that I'm recruiting. So in trying to give back, it seems like I, you know, I'm in a position of knowing the answers. I am far from that. I'm, you know, continuing to learn in my career. Um, and really those folks can be a person that I can put uh, an attendee in touch with, um, or they might be the person that's reviewing my resume someday. Um, so it's incredible to be plugged into that, uh, but in a very informal setting where everyone's trying to come together for a, a common cause and giving back, but down the road, um, that effort can pay dividends in terms of your network. Um, so as Tom also said, just getting involved, uh, you'll see uh, why folks are so passionate about interacting in this space, um, because there are just many opportunities to um, to get involved in TCS programs, you know, such as the Coastal Connections uh, and the Professional Spotlight and these trending topics, discussions, uh, but also the workshops. So again, a, a couple of hours of volunteer time um, and having the courage to reach out to a speaker and cold call them or, um, you know, it really does pay dividends and broadens your network. Um, could you explain to our audience a little more about what that professional spotlight is? I know, Jeff, that's kind of how we connected because we just went to the last one with Larry Cahoon from UNCW, who we've both had the pleasure um, of learning for. So um, does that, if you join, uh, you know, does that get you into those professional spotlights? And, and what other things can you expect from actually becoming a member? Uh, yes. Yeah, so the professional spotlight, um, the registration is free for those events. And it really um, is, is not a speaker talking to you, but sharing in an interactive manner their career journey. Um, and it can be anyone in various stages of their career. So whether it's someone that um, is, is towards the end of their career or mid-level who's sharing um, wisdom and insights, or whether it's someone who's just beginning that journey and just wants to immediately share um, their lessons learned. Um, it's it definitely, uh, it's very flexible in that format. And that is a member's, TCS member's only benefit. Um, and the trending topics is open to anyone. And that's where we really try to, um, is part of a step towards um, potentially building back to uh, a conference as we had done in years past, um, really highlight something that anyone uh, can get utility from um, that helps us uh, kind of broaden our uh, our specialty and, and what we are, the value of being the organization, we're providing information, um, not just, um, you know, career workshops. Um, we're having folks that appeal to mid-level career folks who are just want to see that um, the keen insights from folks that are at their level 
uh, and giving and you know providing the information. It's sort of a mini conference. So there's there's subtle differences between them. They're both valuable. Um, I think with the professional spotlight, because that has a little more of the career mentoring aspect as part of that, um, that's where it tends to be uh, the members only. That because we want to you know bring folks in and have that that benefit. Um, and again, trending topic is more um, out, outward facing to um, bring more, uh, bring a spotlight <laughs> uh, onto TCS's organization to continue to spread that reach. Yeah, I think that's great that, you know, as an organization, we're trying to help our members that are part of it, but also do that outreach to the public. Um, I work a lot in the community engagement with my dissertation right now, and I know that's something that communities want more. They they would love this is to have that like open dialogue with with other scientists and people that that work at the local government level or maybe they work at somewhere you know like the coastal flooding management aspect sorry i just lost the acronym for that because i was going in my head there's so many there, you know there's so many different ones between the different states here on the coast um and so just kind of to wrap wrap everything up you know, is there anything else that you would like to say on on the impact that TCS has made on you and why it's been so beneficial for you in your life um, to be a part of it and, and, you know, be around other marine scientists and people that love the coast? Well, for me, it's, it's just uh, a huge contribution to everything I am and have been. Uh, things, I've, things I've worked on, things I've thought about, places I go, places I live. TCS has been a part of all that. Um, I've been involved in it longer than I've been involved with any other society, uh, longer than I've been considered myself to be a professional marine uh, scientist or, or marine coastal manager. Uh, it's just been there for there on my side uh, for so long. So it's it's a it's a member of my family. It's uh, it's it's just it's personal. It's professional. It's everything in between. It's a whole group of people that I never would have met if I had just stayed involved in, in Jules Verne's word world of just science, the natural sciences, biology. So the Coastal Society is, has just like expanded 180 degrees, everything I've thought about and everything I've done in my entire career. I would echo that. Um, it just really has been, as I mentioned earlier, uh, just instrumental um, from very early on um, to help me take an interest and channel that and define next steps for my, my career path. Um, and then even just, um, just recent stuff that for, that helps me with my current job. Um, we had a professional spotlight, um, in which, um, Meg Reed, who is a, who's a current TCS member was not the featured speaker, but she was in the audience. And I asked her a question. This was probably December, 2020 in the height of COVID and the virtual world. And, you know, it seemed like, you know, it was really hard for folks to connect and we we're trying to find ways. And um, she works out with the Oregon um, Coastal Program. And we were just both members of the audience. And we asked, a, I forget who asked the first question of the speaker, um, but we kind of connected in the chat and said, hey, do you have know any more information about this topic, um, X, Y, Z? And it turns out that she knew folks who were working on addressing abandoned and derelict vessels uh, and removing them and preventing them uh, out on the West Coast. And she had two colleagues that were really dialed into that program. And that was something at the time with my Virginia CZM program that had really been dropped in my lap as another task and sort of a stakeholder group to run. 
Um, and I needed answers from other states. I wasn't going to start off engaging a bunch of folks and not know, have an inkling of what the, the issue is and any ideas to, to uh, promote, uh, promote policy changes. So we started uh, working with Clean Virginia Waterways. Um, our program reached out to nine different coastal states um, and Oregon was the first one. Um, so if it wasn't for that uh, sort of serendipitous connection by two professionals, Meg and myself being at part of that professional spotlight, we wouldn't have connected and then we wouldn't have been able to share our contacts that help us directly with um, our work. Um, so that's another just um, specific example uh, in addition to what Tom and I mentioned earlier about the broader um, you know, career uh, vision and, and um, support. Well, thank you guys so much. And Tom, I really enjoyed what you just said about, you know, going outside your comfort zone of being with other scientists and kind of joining everyone else that works in the coastal sphere. And it really is a family. And I think you see that sometimes when you're out engaging with people. Um, and it really goes to show the importance of working together uh, to try to solve and kind of fix some of these problems that go on in our areas so that we can continue to love, um, live, and, and enjoy the coast. And so thank you, Tom and Jeff, again, for sharing with us today and kind of explaining, you know, the history of TCS and how these influential people ended up starting some of these programs. And if anyone out, out there um, who's listening to this is interested in uh, learning more or joining the Coastal Society, please feel free to reach out to one of us um, or you can go on to the coastalsociety.org. Um, there you will also find the email um, and figure out ways in which you can join. There's different rates of membership depending um, on where you're at or if you're a student. And if you're interested um, in starting a student chapter, maybe you don't have one uh, at your university, please feel free to reach out to, to me. Um, I was the president of our of the ECU uh, chapter for a while. And so I would be more than willing to help anybody that's interested in kind of banding together other people that are working in the coastal space. Uh, and so one last thing, Tom and Jeff, uh, you know, we have a motto here at All Swell, where there's a will, there's a wave. And so I would love to hear what motivates you to keep going um, and stay involved with the Coastal Society. Well, what, what keeps me going is the fact that every time I do anything, whether it's uh, participate in a MAD workshop, organize one, uh, talk to someone about a chapter, think about the, the strategic direction of TCS, it's always rewarding. It's always not a job. It's always just something that I really would want to do. So it's, uh, it's just, it's great to do so many things with TCS and feel very positive about every one of them. So I look forward to the next one, whatever that might be. And I'd add this, I don't know if it's a bumper sticker uh, worthy, but I would say learning never stops and your network never has to stop growing. I love that. I think that could be a bumper sticker. And I just want to thank y'all again and um, Coastal News today. This podcast would not be here without the Coastal Society. Um, Kira's not here right now, but I know uh, I speak for the both of us when we just say we are so grateful for this opportunity to um, talk with other people in the coastal realm, meet other members, um, and just hopefully inform people on things that are going on in the coastal sphere. So um, thank you all for listening. And with that, where there's a will, there's a wave. <laughs>